opportunity to visit when I've been in Dallas, Texas, and and uh, I tell you, I'm really, really impressed with what they do at that group, and it's um, it was a great joy to find a member of that group relocated here to California. Now, um, there, there are three things I've heard people say um, around the program of recovery that, that really seem to apply to what uh, Angie's doing in her life today. Uh, one thing we hear is that people go to any lengths for their sobriety, and uh, I'm sure you'll hear more about that, and I'll tell you just a few things. I've also heard uh, about people who are uh, giving it away, giving away their recovery to keep their recovery, and uh, she exemplifies that. And then finally, the last thing I'll tell you is that she has a spirit of, uh, of doing the work we do in Alcoholics Anonymous for uh, fun and for free. Uh, I want to make sure that you know that Angie, on her own dime and in her own time, made a trip uh, 200 miles to be here today. And, um, and I personally very much appreciate her dedication to, uh, to her sobriety as well as to our, uh, our meeting here. And I think I uh, would like to ask you to please give a very warm welcome to Angie from Seal Beach. That's a very, very nice introduction. My name's Angie, and I'm a very grateful recovered alcoholic. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize, Bill, for walking up after the meeting had already started. My, my, I usually leave my phone in my car, and I brought it in, and it started ringing out there, and it malfunctioned. Isn't it just like an alcoholic to say it malfunctioned? It wasn't me. It was the phone's fault. Um, but, yeah, it's off now, hopefully. So I walked up late. I'm very, it was very weird to me. But I'm really, really glad to be here. Uh, and I just, when I met Bill, um, there was just absolutely no, and he asked me to come speak, there was no hesitation whatsoever. I mean, what an opportunity and what an honor. Um, Somebody told me the truth about alcoholism and about my disease, and I, I couldn't stay sober for seven, eight years. I was a chronic relapser, and I couldn't understand what was what the deal was. And somebody finally told me the truth, and, and I, I had the opportunity to get well. So anytime I have an opportunity to, to give a little bit of hope, even even if one person in here hears just a little bit of something, you know, that gives them hope, then it's just, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm alive today, and I'm grateful to be alive. So, uh, uh, and, and to run into to a big book thumper and like Bill and all the great people that I met that weekend, uh, I just want to be around them. So the, the more I can be around uh, people like that, and it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a question. Um, I am from Dallas, Texas. I've been out here in California for uh, about two, almost two years. Gosh, in December it'll be two years. I live in Seal Beach now, um, as of just like five weeks ago. Uh, and um, I have a home group in Laguna Niguel. Uh, it is the primary purpose group of Laguna Niguel, and it's at the Presbyterian Church there. It is a big book study. Um, it's one hour long every Thursday night, and guess what we do in there? We study the book. We study the solution to alcoholism, uh, and we use uh, the textbook, Alcoholics Anonymous, because that is where the precise instructions are. The only place. There are some really... There are some really good AA literature, and there's some really great AA literature. Uh, 12 and 12 is one that I don't read too often, but I, it's, it's really, really, it's very, very helpful, but it doesn't give the instructions. It, it, it does discuss the steps if you want to, you know, go into understanding them more, but the instructions are only in the book. And the big book is really, this is my experience, I found all I needed to recover. The big book 
and someone to take me through the steps using the big book. Um, my home home group, as Bill said, is the primary purpose group in Dallas, Texas, and I was very fortunate enough to, to land there. Um, they, they're in the solution. It's a literature-based meeting. No whining and moaning about how bad your day was or what issues you've got going on or what, what problems you have. I mean, we've all got problems, and I'm not saying our problems are not important, but it's not supposed to be discussed in a meeting. It's a big waste of time, and it really, I mean, I've got my own problems. I don't want to sit around and listen to yours necessarily. Um, so with that group, um, I was really fortunate to, to land there and to get, to get the real deal. Uh, and, and find a sponsor that got through this work quickly herself and got me through quickly so I could recover. I could get a, have a spiritual experience, get connected to God so God could keep me sober, and I could get out there and start helping other people. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what it's about. Um, not just don't drink one day at a time. I mean, it, it, that doesn't work, you know? Um, I wanted that obsession to drink gone, and it's gone today. And that's why how I can introduce myself as a recovered alcoholic. All that means is the obsession has been removed. I've had a spiritual experience, and uh, wow, it's an amazing life. It really is. Um, I'm going to share some of, uh, not so much of, of what it was like, but more of what ha what I was like, but more of uh, what happened and what I'm like now. Um, if I was to tell you too much about what I, I mean, you guys know. I was, because you were the same probably. I was a horrible person. I was a, um, I was a mess. I was sick. I was selfish. I was, um, well, still am. Um, I was uh, mean, hateful, miserable, um, all of that stuff. That's what I was like. I lied. I cheated. I stole. Um, I did all. I did all of it. It was just nothing to brag about. Um, and also, you know, war stories. I, I, I just. I just don't see the point. Um, it's. I'm not up here to necessarily talk to you about all the crap I've been through. I mean, what you. You, you know how to drink. You know how to use drugs. You've been there. Yeah. Um, but more of what happened. And how I got through, how I got well, and what life is like today, and what I'm like today. So, I will begin by saying that I had an absolutely wonderful family. I grew up in a very good household. It wasn't, okay, we fought, you know, like my siblings and I fought and all that, like normal siblings do. But it was a very, it was a very no pretty normal household. Um, not a lot of hate. Not, not any abuse. And my point in, in, in sharing this is that a lot of people think, and a lot of non-alcoholics think that your childhood has to be all screwy and you have to go through this and this and abuse and, and, and that's why we become alcoholics and drug addicts. And that's just not true. There are a lot of us out there that had it pretty good. You know, um, alcoholism is not causal. That stuff that happens to us it can absolutely exacerbate our problem, but it doesn't cause it. And I had to learn that. I, I thought that the reason I drank is because my dad left when I was sick. I thought the reason I drank was because of this or this or the reason I drink. The reason I drank is because I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my body is different. 
I do not break down alcohol, my liver and pancreas. It's different than a normal person. That, it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. Confuse it and try to figure out why and what happened in my childhood. And I can't tell you how much therapy I went to talking about my inner child and, and all this other stuff. And it just it just didn't it didn't fix alcoholism because that's not what caused it. Um, I had my first drink when I was 13. Yeah, really late in life. Uh, and I shared one beer with about seven other girls. And I, you know, that may average out to be about two sips each. And um, we just thought, we just had a blast. It was a slumber party and we just had a blast. And that was my first experience with alcohol and, and didn't have another drink until three years later, four years later. So you get the picture. I wasn't this real wild and crazy. My first drink was not, oh, I found it. I had found my solution to life. It wasn't like that. It was just no big deal. Um, but when I, as I got older, 18, 19, 20, started drinking a little bit more, but I really, I really thought I just liked to party, you know, I, I thought that, um, I just liked to have, uh, some people were kind of slowing down at 22, you know, kind of getting their stuff together, and I was kind of just starting, um, and I just thought maybe I was like a late bloomer or something, um, but I, uh, thought I had a hard time saying no when everybody else was like pushing the drinks away and saying no I've had three I'm good and I was saying I'm just getting started bring them on I just thought I had a hard time saying no and um I just I just like to party um you know like I said my I mean my story really isn't that fascinating I think I think what is fascinating is the experience I had in a trying to get sober, doing middle of the road for eight friggin' years, being told to keep coming back and meeting makers make it and just don't drink in between meetings and when you want to drink, sit on your hands and all that stuff and dying, NAA dying and then getting so sick and finally hearing the truth and life in solution AA, the way it's supposed to, the real program. Um, I will go back a little bit more in my story, and the only reason I'm going to tell you guys this is just to express the hopelessness. Um, from age 22, it happened real fast. It even says in the book that for women, it, it, it can happen pretty fast. From age 22 to 25, just downhill. DWIs, all that fun stuff, uh, which... There are alcoholics that, that, that never get any. You know, there are non-alcoholics that get five. Has nothing to do with, with you know, that, that doesn't make me an alcoholic because I've had three. But I did get them. I was unlucky. I got caught. Um, but I went through that. I went through losing jobs. I went through losing friends. Um, this stuff's going to happen when an alcoholic drinks. This stuff just happens. Uh, I, I had a job as a nanny. Um, there were three pretty good hello moments that, that really told me that um, I have a serious issue <laughs> with alcohol. Don't think I'm an alcoholic quite yet, but I might have some issues with drinking. I was a nanny and I took care of four kids when I was about 24. And um, a couple of them were older, but really all I had to do was make sure they got to school on time, make sure they got their homework done. 
And um, I took that job because it was a good way to drink. It, I, I could drink. The parents, would, they were very wealthy. They'd go out of town for four or five days, and I would just drink. I drove these kids everywhere drunk. Like I said, it happened very, it, it wasn't real, real slow for me. It, it happened pretty fast. I started drinking and drinking and drinking uh, because I didn't feel right. Uh, when I did drink, I felt smarter. I felt funnier. I felt um, brilliant. I mean, I could dance at parties. I could carry on a conversation with you. And it worked for me pretty pretty quickly when I hit my 20s. So it, it happened really fast. Um, but I got this job, and I... Uh, I drove these kids around drunk all the time. Thank God I never hurt them. Um, I drove, I liked to drink and drive. I hate to admit that, it's very embarrassing, but I did. I liked to turn the radio up really loud and drink and drive. And um, I remember coming home one night and passing out on the, the, the parents' floor. And they were out of town, and it was midnight, and I woke up on the master bedroom floor, totally didn't know where I was, didn't hear any kids' voices. Um, I woke up freaking out. Ran, ran around the house trying to find the kids, looking in closets, looking in the pool. I mean, I didn't know what to do. And um, I freaked out, and I called the oldest son, and I, um, I just fessed up. I said, I'm drunk. I don't know where your little brothers and sister are, and it's midnight. And he said, Angie, you don't remember today at all. And I said, no. And he said, he went through this list of everything that I did. He said, well, at 10 a.m., you picked up Drew and drove him to DFW Airport. And then you went and picked up Ellie's friend Lisa and took them to a birthday party and blah, blah, and, and all day long. You, I, I even went to the airport again and hung out with their parents for an hour when they had a layover. And I didn't, I didn't remember. Um, how they didn't know I was loaded, I don't really know. And maybe they did a little bit. I don't know. But that really freaked me out. I had no um, no memory of that day whatsoever, and uh, I did lose that job. And I remember I remember being very mad that I didn't get my paycheck. Um, and I say that because that shows the absolute self just self centered, you know, um, arrogant arrogantness of me. You know. Um, that was a really big wake-up call, and um, then another DWI after that, of course. And, and you know, when you when you get a DWI, you usually go to jail. And, and uh, after that experience, you're sent to AA. And I, I I went to AA, but I didn't think I belonged there. I just didn't think these people were anything like me. I continued to drink. I continued to get in trouble. Um, I continued to, um, I started hiding alcohol, you know, the funky things we do. I, um, I was lying left and right. Uh, my, my, uh, husband at the time would, would come home from, from golf and I'd be drunk or come home from work and I'd be drunk every single time. And he would say, what happened? What happened this time? Why are you drunk this time? And every single time it was something different. Um, so-and-so called and said something really rude, and I got pissed off, and I drank. Uh, again, coming home, well, okay, God, you're drunk again. What happened this time? And it was something different. It was something different every, every single time. And I remember, this is kind of my second moment. I, I was really, really drunk, and I can't believe I remember this, but I remember him saying, what happened this time? 
and I was sprawled out on the staircase, and I said, I looked straight at him, and I said, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing has to happen. I drink because I drink. Because I drank yesterday. Because I drank the day before. It's what I do. Nothing has to happen. But what's really amazing, and you guys might relate to this, is I really truly believed all that stuff. That I really did drink because my mom called and said something nasty to me. I really did believe that that's, well, gosh, if, if she just wouldn't do that, if she would be nice and cool and sweet, she wouldn't hit a nerve with me. You know, I really believe that stuff. Uh, I remember that. I was drunk, but I remember that. I remember saying, I have no idea. I have no idea why I drank. Um, I started going to AA, and um, I just couldn't stay sober. I was going to meetings where um, a lot of people were talking about their day. A lot of people were talking about their problems and all that good stuff and all that really... Uh, important stuff, um, and I wasn't hearing any solution, and I was leaving the meeting, and I started, you know, I, I, leaving the meeting going and drinking, actually, leaving the meeting and going and getting some beer and going to the park and having a six-pack. Uh, then I started showing up to meetings late, walking in the back door, having this big excuse, like everybody's watching me, you know, had this big excuse of why I was late if anybody asked me. I'd leave to sneak out early. Couldn't, just couldn't stand it. I just couldn't stand it. I got a sponsor, and um, gosh, after like, I think I stayed sober the first time for, for maybe 25 days, and I'm still on step one, and I'm just biting, I'm just dying, you know, but I think this is what it's about. You just go to, and I still can't even really fully admit that I'm an alcoholic, because I don't even, I don't know what it is. Nobody in the meeting is telling me what that means. All they're saying to me is, you'll catch it, just keep coming, just don't drink in between meetings. And I'm thinking, okay, that's all I got to do, but how do I do that? If I knew how to do that, I wouldn't need to come to meetings if I knew how to not drink. Just don't drink no matter what. Just don't drink. Put the plug in the jug. Oh my gosh, how easy is that? Why didn't I think of that? It's, it's, it's a lie. It's, a, it's, a, it's not true. And if, but if it works for you, great. Then go do that. And you don't have to be here. You don't need you don't need anything else if you can put the plug in that job. But that's the kind of stuff I was hearing. And, and you know, there's meetings like that all around. Possibly we all have been to them. I try my best not to bash discussion meetings, but it's really hard because I see people dying left and right in them. I got a phone call two days ago of a girl that has died um, on step one, and she's like 99. She was like 99 days sober. It's just, it's it's. That is a death sentence for a real alcoholic. To take, to take. Step one's a question. You know, step one is a question. If you understand it, if you've got a book, if you've read the doctor's opinion, if you have somebody that's been through the steps to talk to you. But I remember with my sponsor, we would, we would talk about step one, and she would have me write paragraphs of what I thought powerlessness was, and then I would go write a letter to somebody, and then I would get, and, it, and we would talk about it, and talk about it, and dissect it, and dissect it, and here, days, and days, and days, and days later, I'm like, okay, I think I, I think I got it, um, I wasn't moving along, I wasn't moving along in the work, um, it was a beating, it was a beating, it wasn't, it wasn't simple, I was not keeping it simple, like we were supposed to because I didn't know any better. Uh, 
step one and step two, like I said, are questions. They just don't take, I mean, how long does it, it doesn't take a month to answer that question. I need to understand the question. But when I, when I was told to just keep coming back, that's just what I really thought I needed to do. And then I would see that it wasn't working. I would drink and I would just say, screw this, AA doesn't work. And I would try to manage on my own for, you know, five months, six months, reading self-help books, going to more therapy, um, nothing worked. Can y'all relate to that? Trying everything under the moon, um, moving, changing friends, changing jobs. I bought so many books, I can't tell you how much money I spent on on self-confidence books and titled self-confidence and, and just how to love yourself and all this stuff, and, and none of it worked. I didn't understand the problem because nobody was explaining it to me. I don't think anybody was intentionally trying to hurt me. I just don't think that they knew any better either. Um, or maybe they weren't really alcoholic. I don't know. But I would, um, I would relapse. Um, and then my sponsor would say, well, obviously you don't understand step one enough. So we're going to take longer to work step one. I didn't need to take longer to work it. Y'all get my point. I don't want to beat this into the ground, but y'all get my point. Step one, we complicate it so much, and it's just not powerless over alcohol. Can I admit that I'm powerless over alcohol? I'm powerless, of, powerless over alcohol because I have a physical allergy to alcohol. When I put alcohol in my body, when I put one drink in my body, all that does, one sip, I set off that phenomenon of craving, and all that does is tell me that that second sip and that second drink is going to be even better, and I've got to have it. I want it, and I've got to have it, and that third one's going to be better. That is the only, that, that's powerlessness. I've, I'm an alcoholic. I've got, a, I've, I've got a physical allergy. Do I understand that? I absolutely do. Yes. Do I understand the second part of step one, that my life has become unmanageable? It's not about all the stuff I did. It's not about all the, all the crap I pulled. It's not, it's not about that. I cannot manage the decision to not pick up that next drink. Therefore, my life's unmanageable. I cannot manage that decision. Do I understand that? Yes. Let's move on to step two. That's it. Uh, I know that now. <laughs> I didn't know that then. In and out of AA, in and out of AA, it got so, my drinking got so bad that I really couldn't stay sober for, for a day in the end. Um, I would get to step, you know, step one, two, and three, one, two, and three, and then, and then drink. Uh, you know, the, the new guy coming into a meeting, he wants to know how to, how, how can he leave that meeting and not go drink? He doesn't want to hear about so-and-so's divorce and all that. He, he, he wants to know, what can I do? I'm, I'm shaken. I'm scared to death. What, how do I not drink? That's what we need to be telling him. How do you do that? Where do we find that out? Where do we give him that information? It's right here. It's right in here. We need more meetings like that. We just do. Uh, I am... Um, I could not stay sober for, in the very, very, very end, I timed it for more than seven minutes. I, I had to have a drink every, every seven minutes, and that was trying. That was trying to hold off. I am, um, and this is over a seven-course period. I'm not going to go through the whole 
But um, I, I was hiding alcohol in my doghouse and in my attic and in the garage and in the washer and the dryer. And, um, and I just tell you all this to, I mean, I hear laughter, so you've done that maybe? pockets, you know, just, just absolutely anywhere. Um, when everybody knew I drank, you know, but I'm still trying to hide it because I, I'm crazy, you know, I'm insane uh, when it comes to alcohol. So uh, I'm drinking cooking sherry and red wine vinegar when there's nothing left in the house. Uh, my husband at the, at the time totally stood by me and put up with a lot, and I put him through hell, and uh, I often say if the tables were turned, I probably would have left, because it was, it was, I, I put him through hell, y'all know what we can put them through, and we just don't even realize we're doing it, um, I, I'm just totally hopeless, I'm totally hopeless and scared to death, because I have to drink, I don't know how I'm going to stop. And I really do believe that all these people in the meetings are maybe staying sober, maybe just sitting on their hands and putting the plug in the jug and all that, but that doesn't work for me. So I just really decide that I'm going to die an alcoholic. I'm, you know, 88 pounds and, and uh, 34 years old, and I'm just, this is just the way it's going to be. Um, but uh, I was offered treatment to go to a treatment center and I really refused because I thought that that meant that I was really sick and I, I just I thought that that meant that I mean that was for people that really needed you know that were really I just didn't want to admit that I, I needed that that was the last resort that was the only thing I hadn't tried um, I went to treatment um, because I had to get physically separated from the alcohol I had to get it away from me um, I was allowed to drink on the way to treatment because that was the deal. If I can drink on the way, it's like a six-hour drive, then I'll go. <laughs> um, and I was allowed to do that. Uh, treatment, don't get me wrong, rehab, whatever, doesn't get you sober either. That's not the go to treatment, get sober, live happily ever after, no. Uh, there are people that go over and over and over and over and over. I needed to take what I learned, thank God I went to the place that I did, that was teaching the 12 steps. Um, right out of the big book, the way that Bill and Bob set out. Thank God that I was blessed to be in a place like that. But it all depended on what I was going to do when I got out of there. The act of going to a treatment center doesn't treat alcoholism. Just like the act of going to a therapist sitting on the therapist's couch does not treat alcoholism. Uh, when I was at treatment, um, I met a, a man who uh, was not afraid to tell me the truth about alcoholism. And I heard some things that I had never heard before. I didn't hear that you got it when you leave here. You got to go to a bunch of meetings and just make sure you go to 90 and 90. And if you got to go to more, go to more. I didn't hear any of that. I actually heard the opposite. He said, nowhere in my bib book does it say to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, if meetings treated alcoholism, shoot, we would all be, you know, we would all be good to go, and, and um, it doesn't, I'm not saying, you know, meetings are good, good meetings are good, but they don't fix alcoholism, the meeting's not going to, not going to fix it, what are we doing outside of the meetings, what are we, what is our book telling us to do, what do these steps tell us to do, but he told me um, some truths about 
this disease. And he told me on page 24 of this book, it talks about how I've lost the power of choice. Um, that made absolute sense to me. I thought in the mornings when I, when I would say I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking today, I'm not drinking today, and an hour later I'm drinking, I thought I changed my mind. I, I know now I, I, I didn't change my mind. I didn't have a choice. I crossed that line into alcoholism. And that, that made perfect sense to me because I knew I drank no matter what. I, I drank no matter what. I didn't have a choice anymore. Um, it also says on page 24, this, and this man just, I, he gave me this big book. In NAA, for seven, eight years, I had, I had three big books. Never knew there was a doctor's opinion. We never took our books in the meeting. We didn't need to. We weren't using them. Why would I need my book in an AA meeting? You take a math class, a Spanish class, don't you take your book? Yeah. So why would it be any different for an AA meeting? I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, on page 24, it says, The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. Not about willpower. Said it right there in black and white. It's not about willpower. If it was, oh, that'd be beautiful. That'd be beautiful. I wouldn't, th then, that would, I have a pretty strong will, you know? I would have used my willpower a long time ago if it was about willpower. It says, we are in it, unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. When I woke up in jail, I remember, it was a horrible experience. A week later, I remembered that it was horrible, but I couldn't bring into my consciousness with sufficient force just how horrible it was to keep me away from picking up that next drink. And guess what I'm doing a week and two days later? I'm drinking and driving again. And guess what? Thrown in jail again. I, I don't remember, but probably two to three weeks after that, guess what I'm doing again? Guess. I'm drinking and driving again. So, um, you know, it says we're without defense against the first drink. I don't have any kind of defense. What I got to do is get a defense. How on earth am I going to get a defense? The self-help books don't get it. Keep coming back. 90 and 90 isn't, isn't, I'm not getting any defense in that. The only defense that I'm going to get is through a power greater than myself. And the only way that I'm going to get connected to that is by following the instructions in this book. And I, this, is, this is what I learned from this man. I really hadn't heard this stuff before. That was amazing to me. I kind of perked up and I thought, okay, I'll listen a little bit more. So it, I listen, I, I, I learn about this book. I read pages 1 through 43 so I can totally understand what's wrong with me. And, um, and I get out of treatment and I'm scared to death uh, because I've learned all this great stuff. But I haven't put anything into action. I haven't done anything yet. I haven't done anything. This, this man pointed me in the direction of primary purpose where his twin brother has a, has a big book study, the, the, my home group. Um, and I walk in there, and I don't know, I'm 33 days sober, and um, I have never experienced anything in my life like that before. And I walk in, and there are people laughing and smiling, and, and 
hugging on each other and, and just, it, it was incredible. Uh, everybody's got books. There's people sitting over, you know, one-on-one, and I can tell it's a sponsor and their protege, and they're doing some work, and, and um, it's a great big book study. And not only, I, I got to see the freedom in these people. You know, that's what I wanted. I wanted freedom, freedom from this obsession to drink, freedom from, I, I wanted to live life. I didn't want to just drink, you know, just not drink one day at a time. My book says that I get to live life one day at a time, not just, not, not drink one day at a time. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get well and stay well. And I knew from, from what this man said in treatment that the way to do that was get a sponsor and get through this work quick. It says a week or a month, and I'm going to forget how bad it was. That's a pretty small window. So I need to get my butt in gear and get through the, these works before that, before, get through this work before that obsession to drink comes back and kicks my rear. I've been there. It happened. It, it happens every time. So I got through these steps pretty fast. I found a, um, I found a sponsor who, who was a no-nonsense, and she said, if you want what I have, you will do what I, what I did. And um, this book has words in it such as, at once and now. And next we launched into a, onto a course of vigorous action. And that does not translate, take your time, go slow, make sure you're ready. I was ready. I was ready. I was readier, more ready than ever. And uh, she told me the truth. She said, if you don't do this, this is your last resort. If you don't do this, you will die. You will drink again and you will die. And she was just telling me the truth. And I knew it. I knew it. I didn't necessarily want to hear it, but I knew it. So I, um, I got through this work pretty fast. We did steps one, two, and three in one day. She gave me my four-step stuff, got it done in about a week, actually about nine days, ten days. Um, got through the fifth step, six and seven. She said, call me in an hour when you've done it. That's what it said. I mean, that's what the, that's what the book says. And that some of this may be really, really foreign, stuff, but read, read your book. You know, that's what it says in the book. Uh, and, and I and I forgot to say this at the beginning, but pretty much what, what I'm saying up here, it's not. This is not my opinion. When I'm, when I, this is what the book says. So if you have any argument, you can go <laughs> argue with the, with the book. Um, I needed to have a spiritual experience. I didn't really know what that was. I didn't really get that. Didn't matter. I'm dying. My sponsor's free and happy and sober, and I'm dying. I don't need to figure out everything right now. Just get on this work and let's just do it. Came to believe, step two. I will come to believe. It doesn't say I have to believe right now. I have to believe everything. Be totally on board with this God thing. No. Keep moving with the steps. You will come to believe. It absolutely happened. I know a lot of people... So anyway, I got to the steps and I and I and I recovered. I got to recover and I got to uh, pretty immediately get out there on the firing line and start carrying the message, which I was scared to death to do. Had to get over my little ego a little bit and realize it was this is what we do. And the awesome thing is, is it's the most fantastic thing in the world to be able to just tell somebody the truth about this disease that's gonna that, that's gonna that's gonna kill that kills. Um, I. 
hear a lot of people on a daily basis say I suffer every day. I, it's a drag. It's hard every day. It's painful every day. I didn't drink again one day at a time. And I just, we're not, we're not supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to suffer. I feel sorry for those people because this book promised me, these steps promised me recovery, which means I'm no longer going to be sick. I'm going to have a psychic change. I'm going to get connected to a power that's going to keep me sober. I couldn't stay sober one day, sober almost four years now. I ain't doing this. This is not on my power. I'm, I'm living proof that this program works and that somebody else is doing it and not me. Or I would have done it a long time ago. But I, uh, I hear that people are suffering and that they, um, you know, every day's a struggle. And I just feel sorry for them because it's, not, it's just not supposed to be. Um, and they can't go here and they can't go there and they have to avoid the Super Bowl party and they can't go to the, the wedding because there's alcohol there and all that stuff. And I admit, I used, to, I used to do that too. I would hide out at home. Before I worked these steps, before I knew what was going on, I would hide out at home and, and not go. And I missed, out, I missed out on life. But when we recover and we stay spiritually fit, we can, we can come and go as we please. And I want to share something with you guys. Um, it's on page 98. I'm sorry, it's on page 100. It says, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go over to their houses. We mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. Their experience. This is their experience. That's not true. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. Scooting down a little bit, it says, So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. Ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? Uh, I don't even have to really think about that today because I... trust God, and I know that God's got me going where I'm going, and I mean, just common sense tells me I'm not going to go hang out in the bar and play pool all night long, you know, but but I get to go to that wedding, and I and I do get to, and I get to go to the con, the Rick Springfield concert, and I um, I get to do this stuff, and, and, and because of taking these steps and recovering, I don't have that obsession, it's just not an issue, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like, what was the big deal, you know? But that's as long as that's as long as I keep doing what I know to do. These uh, living in steps 10, 11, and 12, and keep helping others. That's that's the main thing. I have to keep helping others. I don't have to. I get to. Not only do I get to stay sober, it's just get, getting to watch someone recover right before your eyes and change and get out there and help other people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we're going around just going to a bunch of meetings every day, just making sure we're okay, making sure we're getting our meeting fixed for the day, how selfish is that? My book says that selfish and self-centeredness is, is the root of my troubles. But I'm going to just go to three meetings a day and just, I don't, I don't want to live in a meeting. I'm sorry. I want to live life. So uh, these pages are great in working with others. Uh, page 100, just talking about what we get to do, what we're supposed to be doing. My book talks about, about um, being rocketed into the fourth dimension and, and, 
life getting seemingly better every day. It doesn't talk about suffering. It doesn't talk about pain. And when you feel like drinking, go go to a meeting. When you feel like drinking, sit on your hands. When you feel like drinking, call your sponsor. You know, my book says get off your butt and go help another alcoholic. So that's what I get to do today. And it sure is a joy. It sure is a pleasure. I don't have to live by a trigger list. I used to. I used to carry around a trigger list in my pocket. I mean, the phone ringing was a trigger, you know? If I had to live by a trigger list, I would just drink, you know? Um, there's just no, there's just no such thing. to express that there is no individual interpretation of these steps, Dr. Bob said. These steps were written a long time ago by two, by Bill Wilson, um, and these first 100 who helped, and they were covered, and they have this pretty amazing stuff that they... Experiences, and I wanted what they have. I don't want what somebody's opinion. I didn't get sober on somebody's opinion. I got sober by following these steps exactly like they did them. Why not? You know, if it worked for them, why not do it exactly like it's lined up? If it doesn't work, fine. I'll go do, you know, I'll go try more whatever, more meditation. I don't know. I, but, but thank God it worked. You know, and all I had to do was be willing and open-minded and find somebody that was going to get me through it quickly. I just really didn't have time to, to waste. Um, it absolutely does work. And I see heads shaking, and I know a lot of y'all know that. Uh, I really appreciate y'all letting me um, come out here tonight. And um, if you're ever in Laguna Niguel, I've actually got some flyers that I left in my car. I'll go get them with the address. If y'all are ever down south, please come and join us. Uh, it's a really good meeting. We have fun. It's not. It, it's a big book study, but we, we get to share some really cool stuff and talk about every single line of the book. Um, and, and we have fun, and it's a good group of people, and everybody there is, is free. You know. Uh, I appreciate it very, very much. And um, if I can ever be of any of any help to anyone. Just uh, let me know, and thank you, Bill, for, for having me, for asking me. Thank you. God bless you. I drank with enthusiasm, and I love to recover with enthusiasm, and I really, really enjoy what we just heard, and I know that a number of you did, too, because I saw your faces. Thank you, Angie. Thank you. Yeah.